If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. That's right before 2 Thessalonians. For you people that don't read the Bible. What I love about the Apostle Paul, he became very personal with his gospel. Now, this verse that I'm reading is not in, the, in that uh, DVD. I just started adding this. It began to come in my mind. And Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And I want you to listen to me. The reason why God told me to do this is because Chariots of Light is a personal ministry. It's a one-on-one thing. Now, you know, we have the motorcycles and those are wonderful. But that's the tool that God pulls, gets people to come. And people enjoy riding motorcycles. But then all of a sudden, you have to become way more personal than the Indian scout. You see what I'm saying? So that people not only remember the bike, but they remember you. Think about that. Because the only Jesus some people may ever see is the Jesus in you or the Jesus in me. Remember that. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica in his first Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8. I like the old King James Version. It says this. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only. But also our own souls. I came here to teach you the word of God. But I I came for you to know who I am. You'll understand my mind, my will, my emotion. Because you were dear unto us. Think about that. I mean, he said, I came here not only to give you the gospel. Because a lot of people want to preach a homiletical, hermeneutical, philosophical, theological service. And they want to debate the issue. Paul said, I can do all that. He said, I didn't come with excellent speech. But demonstration of power. But he came so that you might know him. And why he did what he did. Now go with me to the book of Romans chapter 16. Back up a little bit to the book of Romans. Acts Romans chapter 16. There's one little word there that really touched my heart. And that's when I begin to write this sermon about this here. Uh, I want to start reading with Romans chapter 16 verse 21. Timothy my work fellow and Lucius and Jason... And Sopatahar and my kinsmen salute you. Now watch this. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in, his, in the Lord. Now why did, why did Paul would just speak and have someone else write the epistle? This man was the greatest intellectual mind drawn to the realm of Christianity. This man was brilliant. He sat at the feet of Gamedia. Why didn't he write his own epistles? You ever wondered that? You know, he would just dictate them and they would write them. Why? Because they broke his hands. See, they beat that man. Beat him to beyond. He was beat five times at run. And they knew he would write, so they broke his hands. Back in the Nazi days in concentration camp, there were uh, Jews that were painting paintings. And some of them got out, you know, that made it to the world after, uh, you know, the, the allies, uh, you know, helped the concentrate, deliver the people. When they found out that these uh, Jews were painting, they broke their hands, broke their fingers, you can see, so they couldn't hold a brush. See, this is the same thing. He was beat, I mean, almost unrecognizable at times. So he would have someone come and he would just dictate and they would write it. I want you to understand that. Verse 23, Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church saluted you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluted you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now verse 25 is where I want to get to. Now unto him that is of power to establish you. Notice this. According to my gospel. Notice he didn't say according to the gospel of the Lord. Even though it was the Lord's gospel. But he got so personal with Jesus. He began to call Jesus 
words, his gospel, his good news. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. That's a comma there. But now is made manifest by the scriptures of his prophets. According to the commandment of the everlasting God. Made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. That's a semicolon. To God only wise be glory. Through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. In other words, when you read the Bible, also look at the punctuation so you can get down to the end of the sentence. You follow what I'm saying? But I want to go back to verse 25. According to my gospel. I want to talk and I want you to take some notes. I'm going to do a little teaching here. Might be a little Jerry Seville. How's that? Praise the Lord. When the gospel becomes your gospel. Let's find out how personal you are with your gospel. You've been called to the chariots of light. That is a phenomenal thing. To have a quarter of a million people born again since its inception is a miracle of God. There are a lot of people who have been saved 50, 60 years. They've never seen that, those types of numbers. Why? Because this is a personal thing. So I want you to write this now. When the gospel becomes your gospel, and I want you to save some room. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes one, a personal experience. Write that down, but leave some room. I want to do some preaching with that. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal experience. Number two, the gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal conviction. Notice that. Number one, a personal experience, the gospel. And number two, a personal conviction. So let me say it again. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal experience. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal conviction. So I'll leave some room so we can do some preaching there. And then number three, the gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal responsibility. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal responsibility. People are asking me all the time, when are you going to retire? Do I look sad? Do I look, do I look tired? Am I beat up too much? I don't know. You know. I mean, I'm 70 years old and I, I'm getting older, but I don't care. It doesn't make a difference. I'm, I mean, look at my It's loose. It's very loose. It doesn't matter. I'm starting to look like President Reagan. When the wind comes, my chin slaps Kathy as she walks by. You know, but I still got my hair. Praise the Lord. So thank God for that. So the gospel becomes your gospel when number one, a personal experience. Number two, a personal conviction. And number three, a personal responsibility. See, you weren't just called here to have fun, even though you can have fun. You were called here because God wanted his gospel to become personal to you. So write this down if you're taking notes. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal experience. Your experience must say it's a character of liberty. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So you should have a character of liberty, a covenant of grace, and a promissory note of blessing. So when the gospel becomes your gospel, you got to have a promissory note of blessing. That's why you're known as the favor God. It's a promise that's become a promissory note of blessing. A covenant of grace, no matter what anybody says, you're saved by grace. And then a character of liberty. And what I mean by character, see, if, you're not, if, you're not, if you don't have character, you become a character. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to say something going to shock a lot of people. Because this gospel is my gospel, and because it's a personal experience, I have a hard time sinning. I have to make myself. I have to get in the flesh to do it. But if I crucify my flesh daily instead of Sunday, then I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh in any way, shape or form. Why? Because when I got saved, I was finished with the world. The world has no temptation for me. You understand what I mean? I mean, I see a pretty lady. She's pretty, but that's it. You understand what I mean? I could care less or, you know, whatever. It doesn't make any difference because, see, God's word became so personal. I get up every morning. Hello, Jesus. Hey, Jesse. I'm starting to preach here. I got to close myself. I'm trying to be Jerry Seville. Well, you know the word. No, but anyway. So your experience must say 
It's a personal character. In 41 years of full-time preaching, 43 years of preaching, I've never had a scandal. Why is that? Because I'm better than you or no. I have more faith than you or no. But I might have a little more obedience. And the Bible said it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Boy, do we know how to sacrifice? Son, we in the suffering business. The church was, just beat me, Jesus. Just beat me. No, I don't want to beat you. My God, man, I just want you to be blessed. You say, oh, no, no, no. You got to understand. You see, Christ loves you. He trusts you more than the church does. He's not as hard on you as the church is. Think about that. You know, God came to a, to a place where I was that the church wouldn't come. Steve Munzer, ch- church wouldn't come where I was before I was born again. Oh, Lord Jesus. I mean, you talk about a sinner. Even the devil learned things from me. I taught him some stuff. I mean, I was a heathen from hell. You, and he ain't no church people coming down there, but Jesus did. Why did Jesus do that? Do that? Because the, his father's gospel became personal to him. He said, I came that you might know what? The father. He said, I only say what my father says and I only do what my father uh, says to do. So when you understand that, that character, and I, I don't sin every day. I heard that, you know, you got to sin every day. That's a lie. That's a, that's a religious lie. We've all sinned, but we're not all sinners. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? When you understand that, see that covenant, that character of liberty takes over you. No, I'm not doing that. I mean, that, that, that promissory note of blessing. No, I'm not, I'm not going to accept that. Now, in 41 years of full-time ministry, Doug, you've heard me say that your church, I have never had a financial deficit in my whole ministry. That's unheard of. Not because I got more faith. Let me tell you, people, I mean, I got the biggest, you want me to name, I can name them. Jakes, Womack, you, I, I preach for all of them. You know what I'm saying? They said, Jesse, how did you do that? But they have a hard time understanding what I'm saying. I said, what? They see, they're looking for something complicated. I said, because I didn't believe for it. And they go, what? No, I, I didn't believe it. Boy, you better get ready because the devil going to beat you and bust you and stomp you and kick you. But if you endure to the end. Well, you know, I, I was just a Catholic boy who knew nothing. So I decided to read the Bible because I was heard, don't read the Bible. You'll go crazy. That's what the priest said. Anybody have been raised Catholic if you're around my, am I telling the truth? Don't, don't read that Bible, baby. Oh, Lord. And the first time I ever saw a Pentecostal, I saw a woman. Whoop, 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 whoop. I said, she'd been reading that Bible. <laughs> you better take that Bible. And I, I thought that big bun, I thought that was a radio antenna. Man, good man, they were just, you know, good. Oh. Now, I, 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 we wasn't used to that. You know what I was used to? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in it. Only on new two prayers. Why? So I could get out of confession with three of them. You Protestants have no idea what I'm talking about. See, because you're down at the altar screaming like a crazy person. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, Jesus! He's going, What? What? What is the problem here? I was invited to a Pentecostal church. I'll never forget my friend of mine. That's some ugly people, boy. I looked around and I told my friend, there ain't going to be no lust in here. I promise you, ain't nobody messing with no woman in here. So now the reason why they have a hard time believing it. Doug, I just didn't believe for it. I learned it from Jesus. Do you know, did you ever see where Jesus had a financial deficit? Hmm? 
Bible said, be you therefore imitators of God as dear children. I just decided to imitate him. Who do you think you are? What he says? Well, I don't believe it. I don't care. It doesn't make no difference whether you believe it or not. I had a man told me this other day, I don't believe in hell. I said, that don't change it. You're still going. <laughs> oh, he didn't like that. I said, you're going to hell, boy. People attacked us for prosperity. They said, that prosperity, I said, of the devil. I said, you can't go to heaven. What do you mean I can't go to heaven? And if I name him, you know it. You mean, I said, you can't go to heaven. Because what you going to do when you get on gold streets? What you going to tell God? Hey, God, how come you got pearly gates? All them people starving to death on the earth. Couldn't you, you could have used that money to feed those people. Don't shout me down, huh? See, you ain't going to want to go. You ain't going to like Jesus. You ain't going to like him. And you can say, Jesus, this ain't right. He's going to say, go to hell. <laughs> now, in Louisiana, that's not cussing. That's a location. He said, you can't stay here. You got to go to hell. Let that sink for a minute. One man told me this other day about that plane. You know, you could have, that plane, you got, could have used that money to feed the poor. I said, sir, when I bought that plane, I fed the people that made the leather seats. I fed the people that put the aluminum on the plane. I fed the people that put the electrical things inside the plane. I fed the people that put the avionics. I fed the people that put the tires on the plane. I fed the people that made the engines. I fed a lot of people, plus I feed the poor. What have you done? Makes sense, doesn't it? So what are you going to do when you get to heaven? And see all that? Oh, no, Jesus. We have something in Louisiana called my wife's eyebrow. I believe I can say this because you'll forgive me. It ain't cussing, but it's, it's close. No, it's not. Kathy, if you get mad, she has one eyebrow that goes up. Now, if it goes up just a little bit, you're okay. You'll see her, she'll go, no, 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 no. And if it goes about halfway, no, no, no. And if it hits her hairline, oh, hell no. <laughs> I just back up. Oh, that's the pastor of the church. She does sin. <laughs> you right, Captain. You right. You say, oh, she get hot, man. I just back away. Why? I want to live. <laughs> the gospel is for all. Anywhere and everywhere. It must be personally appropriated. See, that's what happened, Bill, when you start talking to people about chariots of light and about Jesus Christ. You personally appropriate this gospel. It becomes personal to you. So the gospel is for all, anywhere and everywhere. It must be personally appropriated. I have more Muslims calling my office. They love me for some crazy reason or another. And they say, and they, they can't get over how I talk to God. They notice that. Oh, they talk to God like you talk to God. That's how they talk. Oh, they talk to God like you talk to God. How come I can't talk to God like you talk to God? I said, you're talking to the wrong God. <laughs> if, you go on our, uh, uh, if you go on our website, you hear people say, Oh, Brother Jesse, would you pray to Allah to bless me? You, you go read it. You will see it. It's, it, it's, it's on them. You know what they call those? Whatever, whatever, they make a, whatever they do. You know, yeah, a comment or something like that. I just let my light shine. It's very easy to get saved because they're very religious. See, and Jesus, they don't want to say because they think of Jesus as a prophet. But when you personally appropriate the gospel and make him the son of God. And you talk like this, Jesus said, Jesus told me, well, who told you? See, that's a personal experience. 
Jesus told me. See, when Jesus says, come, you come. When he says, ask, you ask. Those actions make it your gospel. It's a message from a father to his children. See, so when he tells me to come, come. When he told me to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature, I said, okay. People say, you know how much money it's going to cost? No. I'm not concerned about that. I didn't, he didn't ask me to pay for it. He asked me to believe for it. And, and there's nothing wrong with charging people expenses. I believe in that. I don't. Well, I just decided to go to a higher level. I have never charged anybody any expenses. I just don't do that. Why? I don't know. It's not, it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with paying people's expenses. And you should. That's not the issue. But I just prefer not to. And they just told me this the other day about my tour. They said, now, nah, Jesse, you just can't know where you're going to make budget. You're flying all over the world. How many, how many hours we flew, Ken? Lord, dude. We're 47 hours and on a jet flying 500 something miles an hour. I mean, we are rolling. We did it how many days, Ken? 12, 12 days. We were hit the ground, preaching, running. And man, it cost a lot of money to fly. A lot. I didn't say nothing. I knew what it would cost me because I'm a businessman. But I'm telling you what, man, when we got all the offerings in, and I left it in Australia, we were $150,000, $170,000 over the budget. And you know how many people told me, now? Nah, I'll tell you what, I did. this ain't America. I knew it wasn't America. When you see Vegemite, you know that's not America. Oh, Lord, don't eat that trash. They love it. Oh, God. Vegemite. Anybody from Australia? You probably brought that stuff. Good God. But you know what? Now, why? Did, because I got more faith or I can receive a better offer than someone else? No. Why? Watch this. I didn't believe that. How can you do that? Personal gospel. See? Personal experience. So when he tells me to come, I come. When he tells me to go, I go. When he tells me to ask, I ask. When he tells me to do this, do it. the other day he told me to pay off somebody's, another person's house. I said, okay. I, I, don't, I don't question that. I said, fine. I don't care. I don't mean that pridefully. Because I can, I, I, I mean, you're just being private. Well, I can, have, I can show off more of that money in my pocket than in someone else's. Come on, let the elevator go to the top. But see, when Paul said, this is my personal gospel. See, you got to understand something about Paul. He wanted to get personal with Jesus on the Damascus Road. After he gets knocked off, you tell somebody, Jesus, you don't play games with him. He slapped the boy off the donkey. He bit the dust. Another one buzz the dust. <laughs> Watch this. And he said, what? you know what he said? As a, as a dog sinner, Saul of Tarsus, a bloody, bloodthirsty persecutor. Lord, what will thou have me to do? Because he was taught to work for the church, the Jewish church. What, what, what do you have me to do? Now think about Ananias. Ananias said, go lay your hands. And say, oh God, this guy's going to kill us. Do what I tell you, Ananias. Man, because without Ananias doing that, Paul wouldn't have had a ministry. There's always someone else in your life you never realize. You know, people used to say, if me and Jerry Savelle would ever meet, we would be lifelong friends. Remember that? I mean, I, this is back in the early 70s and 80s, man. We, I, I, we started preaching and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, and then I met Jerry and he met me. And, and never thinking that he would look like me. <laughs> but they honestly think I'm his brother and he's my brother. People call me Jerry Savelle all the time. Especially in Hawaii. They go, Brother Savelle. I said, yes. I, I, I don't correct him anymore. I mean, they're talking to my face right there in the Hilton Hawaiian Village. They'll say, you know, Brother Jerry, you laid hands on me. I said, did it do good? She said, oh, it did wonderful. I said, well, let's do it again. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I ain't going to tell them any difference anymore. 
Why? It's pretty nice to be called Jerseyville. You see what I'm saying? Well, what do we do? We, we, and one time, me and Jerry, not too long ago, we hit Hawaii, just us. We tore that town up. David Honolulu, you ought to see me and Jerry. We were running, man. My brother Cope said, y'all want to eat with us? No, no, no. See you later, man. <laughs> me and Jerry, we, we heading out. We hit Honolulu. I'm telling you, we had, the, we had the most wonderful time. We were running, laughing down at Waikiki and Kalakaua Avenue and all that. We were just enjoying ourselves. We like kids. Nothing wrong with that. Why? Because we've had personal experiences together. See, you see what I'm saying? So I received from him, he receives from me. We used to do catch the spirit, so we'd catch him. Come on, Jerry. Okay, you know. We would preach and start preaching on the, Psalm 23. He making me to lie down. We in San Diego. We hadn't even practiced this. He making me to lie down. Both of us hit the ground with the microphones in our air. I mean, laying on the ground. Wow! Just a preaching. People just going, what happened? Did they fall out? What happened? Remember that day? We were preaching up a storm, just jumping back up, enjoying ourselves. Well, how can you do that? Personal experience. His gospel is my gospel. My gospel is his gospel. Both our gospels is Jesus' gospel. So when you understand that the gospel is for all, anywhere and everywhere, it must be personally appropriated. I got invited to um, uh, Columbia. Uh, what's that? You know, where all them drug, cocaine and all that stuff down there. Uh, what's the name of that town? Bogota. And you know what they told me? Oh, sir, you are the perfect kidnapping victim. That's the first words people told me in Bogota. I said, why do you say it? Well, you got white hair, so you look prosperous. You have a jet, so now you are prosperous. I had 72 policemen around me. They said, you are a perfect example for kidnapping. They kidnapped a lot of people. I said, well, I didn't come here to get kidnapped. I came to preach the gospel. So I had people standing in my hotel room on the balcony while I slept at night. I had five of them in the front part. The front door. I mean, Lord Jesus! And when I drive, I felt like a president. Wait a the motorcycles. Wait a I even did the Queen's wave. You know? Well, I, I, I'm royalty. I had a miracle happen to me today. I'm at Jerry's house. I walked in. I got to tell him. I can't help it. I walked in. And I told uh, uh, Carolyn last year, I said, Carolyn, this toilet you got, it's too small. And it's real low. Because see, when you get older, the floor gets lower. I mean, you get down there, oh, geez, I got to push that. So when I got, she said, did you notice what I did? I went, she said, I got you a new toilet. She said, I said, I got a royal butt. I'm royalty, bless the Lord. I almost took a selfie on it a while ago. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. I called Kathy. I said, guess what? I was, I, my butt is royalty. She said, what? I said, Carolyn bought me a new toilet. I said, and you don't have to bend down so little. Before, boy, when you bent down, okay, how can they get me something I can pull myself up here? So that baby was low, boy. I was on the ground. <laughs> but not no more, son. I had a personal experience with that toilet. It even flushes better. Good, it's nice. You can preach on anything. Yes, I can. Why? Because it's the throne room. I'm sitting on the throne. Well, if, it, if the gospel's personal, a personal experience, then it must be a personal conviction. Write this down. 
The gospel is God's chosen words for the world and must be spoken with truth and not error. You don't give people your opinion. You give them what Jesus said. Opinions are transitory forms of thought floating on the ocean of life. They change with every wave. I'm not interested in people's opinions. I'm interested in what did he say? What did he say? Let me say this again so you can write it down. The gospel must become your gospel when it becomes a personal conviction. The gospel is God's chosen words for the world and must be spoken with truth and not error. See, because see, if God don't say much about something, you shouldn't say a lot. See, we, preachers got a habit. Well, you know, the Lord didn't say much. And they start saying a bunch of stuff before you know if you're out in the error. Just say what he said. Pretty simple. Well, I don't understand it. You will. You'll get a little more light on it. Just let the Lord work with him. Help you on those things, you see. Because it must be spoken with truth and not error. I had a friend of mine, and I like him. We went to school together. We graduated from high school together. And he got born again. He was a Baptist pastor. became a Baptist pastor. Well, him and Kathy would argue. Lord Jesus. We had got saved. And he said, Jesse, that tongues is of the devil. And, you know, I don't argue with people. Now, Kathy will get in your face. And I brought, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. You know, so I said, Skippy, let me ask you a question. Do you believe I'm saved? He said, yeah, I believe you're saved, Jesse. I said, then how can I be full of the devil if I'm speaking in tongues? There ain't no duplex in here. (laughs) And I said, if God wanted to live with the devil, why did he kick him out of heaven? Why did he want to live with... Inside of you with the devil, if he didn't want to live with him in heaven. So if he kicked him out of heaven, he, he, he ain't no duplex in you. He, 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 could, he couldn't answer that. Well, why do you speak in tongues? I said, I don't know. He just said I could. There's a lot of things God does. I don't know why he does it, but I just do it. See, I remember when the priest said, don't read the Bible, you'll go crazy. Only the priest can interpret the Bible. So I never read the Bible until we got born again. See what I'm saying? I said, I can read this. So I started reading. I said, I, most people should start with the book of John. Jerry Ann, you know where I started? Page one. That's how you start a book. You pay, page one, right? So I said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There was that form and voice. I said, I can understand that. So I read Genesis. I said, man, that's nothing. I read Exodus. Now, when I got to Leviticus, I needed some help. <laughs> oh, I got to Leviticus. I said, this is a mafia book here. This is bloody, isn't it? So they'll kill you in this book, Jack. <laughs> And, and I didn't know anything about tithing, but you see, because I didn't have, you know, I had just begun to have a personal experience or a personal conviction. And I never forget the first Sunday I had after I got out of the music, I was a rocker young man. I mean, I had long, dark, chocolate brown hair. You, oh, yeah, I worked with Led Zeppelin, Grand Funk, and Alice Cooper and girls just a screaming. That's before this thing came and it existed. So I used to have a body. <laughs> anyway, not, not no more. <laughs> you know, and man, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, so, you know, I, I started reading this Bible and I thought, and so we're sitting there and the pastor said, it's time to receive the morning tithe and offerings. I thought he said tires because I saw a church bus. So I leaned over to Kathy, God's my witness. I said, church needs some tires. She said, no, why would you say tithe? I said, it's time to receive some tires. She said, no, tithe. I said, tithe, what is that? She said, you give 10% of your income. I said, is that in the Bible? She said, yeah, I'll show it to you. She moves over to Malachi. I never heard of Malachi. I thought it was Malachi. <laughs> I was raised on the Costa Nostra. 
I was raised with the mafia. On the streets of North. You do what you got to do. You understand? I was just raised that way. Watch it. When he said, they said, will a man rob God? <laughs> when I, I saw that, I said, oh, you know what mess with me? That's Malachi. They kill you if you rob. <laughs> Your face is going to be in the ditch, Jack. You're going down. You understand? Where's Fred? I don't know. <laughs> and I said, you know, that's there. I said, well, let's just do that. And we have never blinked at it. But I didn't know it was there. See, the gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal conviction. See, convictions don't make you feel bad. Convictions opens your eyes to the truth. Condemnation makes you feel bad. See, I always say, you low down, dirty dog, you'll never amount to anything, blah, blah, this and that, that kind of stuff. But when you have a personal conviction, now the gospel is becoming your gospel. So the gospel is God's chosen words for the work and must be spoken with truth and not error. You feel everything you say. You never speak more loudly than you feel. See, you feel everything you say. When it becomes personal, man, you just get excited. People say, you're still excited about the gospel. Yeah. I'm not saved enough to be miserable. We just enjoy the gospel. We enjoy it. My God, we go on vacations. You know, we're preaching almost every day. And what do we wind up talking about, Jerry? The gospel. We just preach to each other. Just do it constantly all the time. Why? Because it's personal to us. You see, and we feel it. I mean, physically feel it. Because more when we read that, whoo, by his stripes, oh yeah, we were here. Man, we start looking for sick people. See somebody, you sick? Hey man, let me help you here. All kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget one time, I, I, I used to have a gold wing and we would ride it on, a, on, a, on those big motorcycles. Remember that thing? And some, these Japanese people went, and I was looking, they wanted to look at it because they, they, they were proud of me that I had a gold wing. They wanted to look at it. And I said, nah. So I said, yes, look at it. Oh, very good, very good, very good. I said, thank you, thank you. Sit down on it. Now I, and they go, ooh. Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, said, I said, what's the matter? It feels like it evaporated. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. My butt's been on that seat. I said, exactly. She go, what did you say? I said, you ever heard of this? Come on, my come on. She go, oh. And they go, And some other Japanese, there was about eight or ten of them. They were looking up, remember, they were looking at them way, way up there in the Rocky Mountain National Park. And they said, one of them said, uh, he is a charismatic. I said, so you go to church? Oh, I go to Pastor Cho's church in Tokyo, or in, uh, in, in Japan. I said, you know what I'm talking about. He said, let me sit on your seat. <laughs> he goes, oh, my God. <laughs> now, you can laugh at that all you want. But that's a personal conviction that everything I touch, pools of anointing touches it. See, convictions are not opinions of the gospel. It, are, it is our duty to exercise our minds in regard to Christ. Convictions are not opinions of the gospel. Or it's not an opinion of the gospel. It is our duty to exercise our minds in regard to Christ. I have been asked to preach in the biggest Jewish synagogues in Boston. And they are, these Jews love me for some reason or another. The way they talk to me, they say, you are very interesting. I want you to know it. You're very interesting. Now, we're not Christians, but we listen to you all the time. I said, well, thank you. Especially the, the rabbis that are in New Orleans. They are, I'll see them in the morning. Very interesting. So I, just, I was walking with two of them the other day. And they said, you know, you say such amazing things. I said, well, I love Jesus. I know that. I said, you know, Jesus is Jewish. Did you know that? And, and the two rabbis looking at me, I said, don't you like your own people? <laughs> He's still a Jew. He said, 
That's what I'm talking about. You say such interesting things. <laughs> Let's talk. Oh, they love to debate the word of God. Ooh, no. Now watch this. I go to Boston, and this big, he's a big rabbi. You can tell by the longer the beard is. There's a big rabbi, you know. The very, very reverend rabbi. And he says, Bluetooth, Bluetooth, I really enjoy you. We're going to let you preach in our church. Now, we know you're a Christian. And it's okay for you to say Jesus. Not too much. <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> but it's okay. He says, what are you going to preach on? I said, the God of Abraham. <laughs> you remind me of, you remind me of uh, Venuche, you know, down in, in the Godfather. I said, and then I just preached on the God of Abraham. And I, just, I began to tell people, you forgot that Jesus is a Jewish. I'm not trying to stop you from being a Jew. Jesus is still a Jew. You can see him going. Yeah, but he can't be the son of God. Why do they believe that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. See, God can't be in there but one. When I said, I'm one, yet I'm three. I'm a spirit housed in a soul and clothed in a body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They go, this is what I'm talking about. That is such an interesting statement. You know, but you know, they want to think it out, see. They want to intellectualize it. When I tell them, tell them that the word of God is not soulish. See, that's wrong with the Christian church today. They look at it. Well, I know Jesus said that. But he couldn't have meant everything and anything. Yes, he can. The reason why you're not understanding that, because you're looking at it from the mind, the will, and the emotion. When the word of God is spirit, and you worship God in what? And in what? See, so I don't look at the word of God in the soulish realm. Because you say, I can't raise enough money to run my ministry. It takes millions of money. Jesus, man. I mean, I'm talking money here. But that's God's business. That's not mine. But I read it from spirit. Spirit to spirit. Not soul. And I keep transforming that soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion. So when you understand that, then you understand that personal conviction. That convictions are not, a, are not an opinion of the gospel. It is our duty to exercise our minds in regard to Christ. So I exercise my mind in front of these great, these are theologians. You know, and, and they can't get over it because, see, they, they can't argue with spirit. They try to, it's, a, it's called intellectual activity, range and research, induction and reasoning. See, and they're trying to get that. I said, no, you got to know Christ. I said, you can't know Christ. I said, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. You're a good man, but you're a natural man. I said, I need to get you born again. What did you mean born again? I said, there was a guy that's related to you named Nicodemus. And in fact, they wrote a TV show called Nick at Night. You might have heard of him before. They go, they laugh. Oh, they just think that's so funny. They just think that's so funny, you know. You just put humor in there, and then all of a sudden they start talking, and before you know it, you got them. But it won't happen unless you are saying this gospel is personal. That's why Paul could touch the people he touched. Because he had a personal experience, a personal conviction, and a personal responsibility. I like that man running, glory to That's a designated runner, glory to God, hallelujah. Now, let's go with this last one. The gospel becomes your gospel when it becomes a personal responsibility. See, it's my responsibility to go to world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm a little irritated about it because there's 7.5 billion people on the planet and 2.3 billion Christians. We are behind schedule. You see, I'm ever doing something somewhere. I'm not trying to be the biggest preacher in the world. I could care less about that. That's craziness. What I want to do is complete my destiny and reach my destination. And I ain't got to worry about the money in there because the money's going to come. I don't even concern me whatsoever at all. It just happens. Read this. Uh, write this down. It must be a matter of conscience to make it known to others. When you have a personal responsibility, it must be a matter of conscience to make it known to others. You see, the gospel is a partnership. 
Not a dreamy dogma. It's a partnership. It's you in Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and mankind. You can say it like this. The heart of God is the Father. Look at me. Heart of God is the Father. I'll read the uh, points in just a minute. The face of God is the Son, Jesus. The voice of God is the Holy Ghost. But the hands of God is the church. You see, we hooked up with him. Because you see, he didn't put his name on us. His name is on Gabriel. His name is on Michael, the archangel. But his name is not on you. His name is in you. See, you're the only species that God put his name in you. You want me to prove that? Exodus chapter 23, verses 19, 20, and 21. It's the first glimpse of the Trinity. God, they, they didn't know what to call this angel. They called him the Jehovah angel. He was that pillar of fire at night, the cloud by day, leading Israel. Notice, leading Israel. They called him the Jehovah angel. And God said, do not provoke that angel. Because he will not forgive your trespasses. I'm about ready to shout here. Why? Because my name is in him. See, that was Jesus before he was Savior. You don't provoke him. He was leading Israel. Now he's leading the church. And he had to lead the church from, quote, law to grace. But he didn't give you grace to erase holiness or to erase discipline in your life. He gave it so that you could be as he is, so are you in this world. See, he put his name in you. His name is in me. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's why Satan hates you. He hates you with a passion because his, his, the name of God was on him before he fell. Never in him. None of the wheel within the wheel in Ezekiel, all the creative species, they had their name on, God's name on him, but us. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace. That's why you can sit down in the presence of God. No angel can do that. Got to stand at attention. No, but you, he made to sit. Why? Because his name is in you. Do you see that? Christ in you. That's why Bill and Ginger, a quarter of a million people have been born again. Because you're not talking about a name. You are that name. Think about that for a minute. So it must be a matter of conscience to make it known to others. The gospel is a partnership, not a dreamy dogma. So when I go out to preach, I said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? I'm yours to command. Command ye me concerning your word. What do you want me to do? Then there's, oh, and some of you ain't going to like that. There's sometimes the Lord says, command me. Now, I won't tell you something. You got to get a little closer. I said, whoa, whoa, He says, command ye me concerning my word. What do you want me to do today, Jesse? Don't ask me. Command me. Because see, that old Pentecostalism comes up. Whoa, this is God talking to you. Because see, his word is in you. He is, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. His name in you. Now say something and give me a job. The gospel must not be tampered with. You must submit to its authority and its influence. So I submit to the authority of the gospel and its influence because I have a personal responsibility to it. I have to tell people the truth. Even though sometimes I don't want to. They might get their feelings hurt, but it's better than going to hell. And I can understand they're going to get their feelings because they're not born again. So what I'm telling them, the natural man receive it not. But what I'm trying to do is do a covert operation on them, sneak around there and touch their spirit. Then they're going to understand what I'm talking about. You follow what I'm saying? Now, you know, I, I buy a lot of artwork. 
And I mean, I've got some phenomenal artwork. I mean, I've always had been collected for many, many years. Well, they got a lot of people in that business that's very sweet. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Sweet. Nice people. And it, it always, it's going to come up. Now, Reverend, what do you think about homosexuals? I said the same thing about heterosexuals. He go, what? I said, I think the same thing of homosexuals as I do of heterosexuals. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No, no, you're not understanding. I said, no, I'm understanding exactly what you said. Well, you have to understand that I was born that way. See, they bring it up. I don't. I said, no, you wouldn't. I said, now, you may not know when you became a homosexual. You may not know how you became a homosexual, but you weren't born that way. You were born in the express image of God. Yeah, but I don't believe that. I said, that may no difference whether you believe it or not. It's still the truth. Now, what are you going to do with your life? He said, well, then you must hate me. I said, no, I don't hate you. I don't hate you at all. I said, you're a very nice person and very talented. I mean, you are talented. I said, but man, I'm the only one trying to tell you the truth. I just want you to go to heaven. You're probably a very nice person. That's not the issue. And then he'll start crying. I don't know why. I said, I know. I understand. Now, I could say, you know, this and that and all this kind of stuff, but I'm not there to hurt nobody. I have a personal responsibility to let my light so shine. You see, no matter what situation I get into. Now, I don't particularly care about that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, in fact, when I did my Everyday Visionary book, I had signed with Simon & Schuster out of New York. So, you know, Big John, they wanted me to uh, do some book signings all over. So I said, okay, I'll do it. They said, would you go to Long Beach, California? Y- y'all doing the, That's when we were doing the uh, uh, West Coast Believers Convention back there. And would you go to on this radio station? What they did not tell me, Simon & Schuster, was that's one of the biggest homosexual communities in California is Long Beach. I didn't know that. It didn't make no difference to me. I did. So when I got on there, they were supposed to talk about the everyday visionary. I had just come off a of Pat Robinson show, and boy, they just they just sold out. Wow! I mean, just you know, so I thought this is going to be a good, you know, a good you know interview. So the man said, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have with his evangelist Jesse DePlanis here today. He is preaching at, at Kenneth Copeland Ministries uh, West Coast Believers Convention. One of the guest speakers. How you doing, Reverend DePlanis? I said I'm doing fine. So you hate homosexuals? <laughs> I said I'm caught here. I said, no, I don't. I don't hate anybody. I do hate the devil. So you think I'm a devil? I said, no, you said that. I didn't say that. I said, are you a devil? No, I'm not. I said, now we both agree. You're not a devil. So do you think all homosexuals are going to hell? I said, what do you think? He said, I don't believe in hell. I said, that don't change it. I said, sir, I can't judge your life, but I can tell you one thing. The gospel can. The word of God can. And then I realized, and I said, you know, I'm just trying to be truthful with you. I don't hate you. I think you're a nice man. I said, you're very talented. You wouldn't have this job. And he had a really, a, a really big following on the radio. I said, you have to be talented. They ain't going to let you do this because you make money for these radio stations and things. He said, yeah. I said, you know, I said, but you, then the Holy Ghost began to move on me. I said, you're troubled. What do you mean I'm troubled? And then the Holy Ghost began to move. Where did the begin to come? And he started going. He said, you know, I, I, I got Jesus. I said, oh, Lord. I could, people start calling in. Why are you crying to this preacher? Why are you crying to this? And I told the person, I said, he's not crying to the preacher. I said, the Lord's touching him. Woo. I said, I'm the only one that's being honest with you, sir. I don't doubt you're a nice man. I don't doubt that you're probably a nice individual. I don't know. 
Hey, but I'm not against you. I just want you to go to heaven. And he didn't know what to do. So when we finished the interview, he said, would you pray for him? I said, yes. He said, I'm kind of confused on some things. I said, I know that. I said, but this day was preordained before you was born and I was born. Do you see that? See, God is setting people up. That's what chariots of light is doing. God is setting people up for you to bring a personal gospel to them. See, the gospel must not be tampered with. You must submit to his authority and influence. And finally, you carefully guard what you prize highly. This gospel should be carefully guarded because you prize it highly. We must not be voices or we must be voices and not simply echoes. He said, when are you going to turn your cares into prayers? See, we're voices, not echoes. I tried that, tried that, tried that, tried that. No, you're a voice, not an echo. You, the originality starts with you. So when I, I, I see people, I said, let me get personal with this gospel. Let me just help you today. Who do you think you are? I said, it's going to take a long time to tell you who I am. I said, well, would you like to know? Yes, I would like to know. I said, okay, here we go. And the first thing I said, I have to start with a question. Who are you? Uh, I said, you don't even know who you are. I said, you're existing, but you're not living. I said, let me explain something. And I just begin to let the light shine. And it's just amazing. And I won't let people stop me or try to get me to say what they say. I only say what God says, especially especially doctors. Doctors are always trying to get you to say something you should not say. Uh, We need to do some medical history on you. Oh, yes, sir. Do you have any heart trouble in your family? Knob. Excuse me? Knob. 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 Maybe you didn't understand me. Do you have any diabetes in your family? Knob. 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 What does that mean? None of your business. You think I'm going to call heart trouble to me? He said, he said, well, I'm trying to, I said, I said, no, now you're trying to tell, you're trying to get me to tell you what's wrong with me. You the doctor, you tell me what's wrong with me. You don't need no information. Did you go to school? Tell me. I said, I ain't saying that. Now I understand the medical way of doing things. Listen, I understand all that, but that's not the issue. That's a, that is a trap. I said, I'm not genetically linked up with my family. I'm genetically linked up with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. <laughs> so just the other day, I had my prostate examined again. It's once a year. Oh, Lord, I sing Moon River once a year. Moon River. Dr. Broger, boy, is he a nice guy. He said, well, Reverend, are you ready? I said, do your thing. And then he just gets excited about this. This is not exciting to me at all. He said, you have a prostate like a 35-year-old man. Okay, get your hand out of here. For God's sake. I said, do you like this? He goes, no. He said, I didn't want to be a urologist. He said, I hate this, but I'm very good at it. I want to be another kind of medical doctor. 
I said, well, when I first met you, I was nervous. You remember what I told you? He said, I'll never forget it. He said, I went home and laughed for three weeks of it. When I walked into his office, I said, you're Dr. Broker? He said, yes, I am. I said, show me your hands. He said, what? I said, show me your hands. Show me your hand. Show me your hand. I said, oh, Jesus, he got big hands. Oh, God. Oh, man. And he busted out laughing. He just busted out laughing. I said, I'm going to tell you what the gospel said. What you do, do quickly. Just do quickly. Quickly. Well, after we did all that, and I'm about ready to leave. He says, sit down, Reverend. Let's talk. Let's talk. Boy, nothing seems to bother you. I said, no, I'm not. Boy, they were eating your lunch about a year. I said, yeah, they were. I said, doesn't make any difference. Doesn't change a thing, does it? No. He said, man, you're so happy. And you know, and everybody that's they're going to say something. And one of my nurses said, y'all don't know that man. That man's a good man. He said, they got more people standing up for you than to say anything bad about you. I said, well, they're mad at me because of prosperity. They, it's okay for, you know, for Michael Jordan to have a beautiful home or, or you know, or whatever, if, whatever you like. But I, a preacher can't have it. Why can't they? Where'd you get that at? That came from the church. That didn't come from the world. Now, the church wants it. But they don't want you to have it. He said, man, you got a fine house. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. He said, man, I wouldn't mind going looking now. I said, you know, I hardly ever let anybody come in my house. Unless I know them. I said, Dr. Broker, you can come if you like. Really? I said, I'd love you to come. He said, you know, I live in the same suburb. I said, I know. He said, you know, you're, you're a nice man. I said, yes, I am. He said, I am so glad you're healthy. I said, that's Jesus doing that. He said, you know, I'm Methodist. I said, so is he. He said, Jesus is the Methodist? I said, do Methodists believe in Jesus? Yeah. I said, he's a Methodist. <laughs> do Baptists believe in Jesus? Yeah, well, he's a, he's a Baptist. Do Catholics believe in Jesus? Yeah, well, he's a Catholic. Do, uh, do Pentecostals believe in Jesus? Yeah, whatever. It didn't make any difference. He said, you get away from all this doctrinal stuff, dreamy dogmas. If you don't believe like we believe, you're not going to make it. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Give God a chance here. I'm saying this to chariots of light. So, Bill, I'm pretty sure you and Ginger probably got a goal in your mind that what you want to attain in this ministry, you know, before Jesus comes back. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me at least that you got a figure. You'd like to get a million people say, or oh, whatever, too. What, why not? It'll never happen unless it becomes personal. A personal experience, a personal conviction, and a personal responsibility. So I'm about the Father's business. In every manner, in everywhere. When I'm on, and I'm very seldom ever take a vacation. I don't, you know, and uh, uh, I need to, I guess, but I just don't. Big John, I'm just traveling all the time. And you know where I was wrong? Totally wrong. I always thought that this ministry would slow down because of my age. Because I thought, well, you know, they're going to want younger people, which is okay with me. I mean, I can go to Hawaii and suffer for Jesus. (laughs) Why? Because I'm Jerry Savelle in Hawaii. Totally hidden. I'm just Jerry Savelle. Praise God. But I'm about the father's business. Yeah. Well, it hadn't happened. I just thought for sure it'd slow down. I got over 9,000 invitations I can't get to. I'm 70 years old. What are you doing? And yet kids, the other day, there was a fight in the, ch- in, in, in the children's church. Because they wanted to come here, brother Jesse. They were screaming. 
So the pastor said, do you mind if the kids come? I said, no, bring them. So they all came in there just. <laughs> it was wonderful. And I preached to that, doesn't I preached to them too, you know. I thought, my God, what are they seeing? So I went home about that. I was so charged up that them kids liked me that much. I said, Lord, what did they see? He said, me. Me. He said, you've become very personal with me. And that's what they see. And then one more story. Went to Cheesecake Factory the other day. (laughs) So I go in, all these uh, waiters, they all know me. Because I tip them big, you know. I like to bless them. Because, you know, they work hard. You understand what I'm saying? So I just like to bless them. Well, I'm sitting down there and all these Muslims come in. They must have been six or seven women all, and their children, see? And, and they had this big booth. And they, they were right across from me. You know, so, I just said, so I'm looking like this, and I looked over, and there was this little boy. He had to be maybe two years old. Look at that, and I went. He goes. <laughs> and the mother, the grandmother, she just looked. And I just smiled, and I went, hello. She went. I said, well, I'm going to deal with the kids instead of deal with the grandma. <laughs> the kids still looking at me and I went. He goes. <laughs> and I had some french fries. And I went. He goes. The grandma just looking at me. I, but I just, I knew she would look at me, but I ain't playing games with her. Also, the mother turns around. And uh, she said, he likes french fries. I said, ma'am, if you don't mind, may I give him one? Y'all just sat down. Y'all going to be a while. And the little boy went. <laughs> she said, would you mind? I said, no. So I just got up and I walked to her, gave him a friend. Boy, he ate the thing. And all of a sudden, he's, sta- he's standing up in a chair. And he goes like this. The mother goes, he's never done that before. I said, it's my white hair. He thinks I'm God. <laughs> I started just a joke, you know. The grandmother like this. I picked the boy up. He just looked at me, and then he put his head on my shoulder. She said, he's never done that. I said, ma'am, I'm a minister of the gospel. He's sensing God Almighty in me. And the child just looking like that. And she said, normally he's very, very loud, but he's just looking at me. So I'm feeding him french fries. I said, I'm a grandfather. I said, I know how to handle this. I said, when I was a parent, I was an idiot. She just looked at me. I said, are you a parent, right? I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> I told her that. I said, because you're worried about thinking too loud. Shut up. Shut up. You are louder than the kid. Shut up. Shut up. You know, because you're worried about the child may disturb someone else. You know what I'm saying? But a grandparent, they don't, hear, they don't care about that. Yeah. And I'm just still feeding him, boy, and I'm just enjoying him like that. And I said, I mean, and after he finished, he looked at me, and he, it was time for him to go to his mama. So he, he'd come off my, my lap like and he went to his mother. And he just, so when I left, I went, and he went. And finally, the grandmother went. And I went, and the lady, the, 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 uh, the mother said, I can't thank you enough for taking time out for my son. I said, can I ask one question? Y'all Muslim, right? Yes. I said, it is 98 degrees outside in 100% humidity. She says, yeah. I said, are y'all hot? You covered all up with the, you ain't just sweating like a mule. She says, oh, it's very cool. The daughter was about 14. She went. (laughs) 
was supposed to ask the question. I wasn't trying to be, you know, oh, excuse me, uh, you know, I just want to, my God, you got to be hot. Man, I mean, this is New Orleans. It, you can drown breathing. You understand? It's 100% humidity. The little girl goes. I said, y'all have a wonderful day. And as I walked by, their waitress said, that's a good man. And the waitress said, he comes in there quite often. And all of us wait to see him. He tips us good, but there's just something unique about him. So the, uh, the uh, manager comes to see me. How you doing, Reverend? He said, I'm going to tell you something. My employees love you. I said, this is the Jesus in me. He said, most people are kind of religious, are kind of hard-nosed. I said, I'm not. I said, I just believe the word of God. I, I just enjoy being saved. So are you going to make it your gospel? When, all you chariots of light when you're out there and you're in your different areas and different states and different things, different countries like Doug is in Canada. Think, are you going to make that gospel so personal? You talk to them about the Indian law because it's a beautiful motorcycle, Lord Jesus. Yeah. And say, boy, but you ought to, let, me, let me show you what God, God has done this for me. But the reason why, because we are personal friends. That's what I'm talking about. Stand to your feet right now, please. Did you enjoy it today? Oh, oh, I, I tried to stay in a teaching mode as much as I possibly could to make it your gospel. Just thank the Lord for a minute. Lift your hands up and bless the Lord. Can I have a couple of ushers help me a little?